chapter five of finding a way out an autobiography by robert r moton this librivox recording is in the public domain a touch of real life the middle year at hampton was not very different from the junior the one subject which i think had the greatest influence on me was the theory and practice of teaching they rarely called it pedagogy in those days i think that at hampton they were afraid to use such a big word as a part of hampton's course in practice teaching every student before entering the senior class was required to teach at least one term or its equivalent in the public schools it was for this reason that the course in pedagogics was taken up in the middle year and a certificate given by hampton to its senior students to teach in the schools of virginia the most superintendents required that every applicant should pass his examination i enjoyed the work in practice teaching very much i do not know that it was the subject that impressed me so much as did the teacher miss elizabeth hyde who conducted the class and who has ever since been one of the strongest and most helpful forces in the life and work of hampton institute we had at least a part of the time of nearly every recitation taken up in a sort of conference on human nature we did not call it psychology then but that is what it was and even to this day i am influenced by many of the conclusions that we then reached at the close of the year with seventy-eight other students i was passed on to the senior class and was provided with a certificate to teach in the schools of virginia provided of course that i could pass the county examination satisfactorily it occurred to me that before teaching inasmuch as i had never been outside of virginia except on my enforced visit to baltimore it would strengthen my position in my school community wherever it might be if i could at least say that i had lived outside of virginia so i secured a position as head waiter in a hotel in pennsylvania i had what the boys would call in those days a very successful season while my work was not very hard from some points of view and my pay was very generous at least in gratuities tips there was something about the life that did not appeal to me because the conduct of some of the guests differed greatly from what i had expected so far as the treatment received from the guests was concerned i had no cause for complaint but many things about them and their manner of living were disappointing not to say shocking to one who had set up a very high standard and rather high ideals for people of means and education who lived amidst such pleasant and apparently wholesome surroundings at the close of the summer season i returned to virginia and was appointed to teach in the school at cotton town in cumberland county i had taken the examination in prince edward county for this was the county in which i lived but inasmuch as all the places in the schools in that county were filled i was recommended to the superintendent of cumberland county 
i had no serious difficulty in passing the examination though i had been told that it was very difficult and that under no circumstances would i be granted a first-grade certificate this did not prove true however for even though i had had no experience as a teacher i was given a first-grade certificate this was in early september and my school did not open till about the middle of october so i immediately secured work on the farm of mr l b walthall a white neighbor it being the harvesting season in this community as in most other country communities everybody knew everybody else's business or thought he did it was therefore soon known throughout the community that i had returned from school and secured a first-grade certificate and that the county superintendent mr irving a lawyer had also spoken several times to groups of people on the streets of the town of farmville and other places of the excellent record i had made in my examination indeed that he had felt obliged to grant me a first-grade certificate even though i had had no practical experience as a teacher i think i must have shocked the whole district by working as a day labourer on a farm after having been appointed to teach it thoroughly upset the residents white and coloured no coloured teacher in that locality had up to that time ever been known to do such a thing many white friends also neighbours who had heard of it mostly through coloured people rode over to mr walthall's place to see if the rumour were really true i was a sort of curiosity but deep down in the heart of the people i am sure that there was a feeling of genuine satisfaction that i was doing this mr walthall who was one of the leading farmers in that section did not hesitate to express his approval in no uncertain terms the following sunday i appeared at macedonia baptist church where i previously had had charge of the sunday school choir and other activities the old minister brother armstead berkeley while he took a text talked more about me than anything else he likened me to paul the tent-maker and a great many more extravagant comparisons were made much to my own embarrassment i was pleased at the beginning of his discourse but would have been happier had he said much less about me mr walthall after the first few days increased my pay to nearly twice what he was paying the others saying that he felt that i was worth more than they furthermore he did not hesitate to tell all of his men about it and after two weeks gave me entire charge of the squad of some twenty people the truth of the matter is i was earning more on the farm than i did later when i began teaching on the sunday in october prior to the opening of school on monday i attended church services at midway baptist church a short distance from the school where a large audience had gathered it had been announced it seems in the town on saturday and almost every one went to farmville on saturday from the four counties as they do now that the teacher would be present and speak i was introduced by the pastor an old friend and former night school teacher the rev anthony g green he knew of my early boyhood and did not hesitate in his kindly and well-meaning way to paint the most graphic picture of me that his limited vocabulary could command i made a short talk 
and among other things urged the people to send their children to school the next day i was early at the schoolhouse the following morning swept up the building and cleaned the grounds the few neighbors seeing what i was doing insisted upon my permitting them to do it they thought the teacher had no business to be cleaning up the school grounds and cutting down weeds and such things i permitted them to help me until the time came to open school at nine o'clock we opened six pupils were registered the first day the number continued to increase rapidly until shortly afterward there were somewhere near one hundred and fifty the schoolhouse was a two-room building so i made application to the school board for an assistant teacher which application was granted the superintendent sent a young man by the name of eston hembricks mr hembricks was a very excellent man and not a bad teacher from the standpoint of the conventional methods of that day he believed in whipping and that vigorously if a student missed three words in spelling or read poorly or did not know his lessons there was only one thing to follow and that was a whipping in this we did not agree and had many heated arguments over the point i felt that it might perhaps be necessary to whip one or two but the general upsetting of the school by having a boy take off his coat and vest the screaming and the howling with many of the girls also crying while the boys were being whipped all this to my mind was generally demoralizing and besides it grated very much on my sensibilities he was persistent however in his idea that i could never maintain control of one hundred and fifty children by the method i was advocating the school was located in what was from many points of view a very promising community it contained a large number of colored people and but few white families very many of the colored people owned their homes at least they owned the land many of them considerable land they had reached what is sometimes called now the land period in their development they had not however reached the home period many men who owned a hundred or more acres of land would be living in a cabin which could be built in those days for twenty-five dollars yet these people had very high aspirations they wanted their children educated they were strong in their religious convictions and had fairly good churches they were generous toward their lodges and toward religious and educational matters mr hembricks persistently continued in the use of corporal punishment in his room in spite of my advice to the contrary frequently he disturbed the order in my room with the disorder which he created by his vigorous method of discipline until as principal teacher i felt obliged to insist that if there were any occasion for discipline it must be referred to me not being in sympathy with my method of school management he said after a time that he would appeal the matter to the school board and if they did not sustain him he would resign i was not sure how the matter would impress the school board so i thought it wise to call together a deacon of the church and a few older men in conference with hembricks and myself at my boarding-place on a certain night my landlady's husband though he could neither read nor write was a remarkably clever man he was the political boss of the randolph district and the leader in whatever matters concern negroes whatever happened 
whether in school in church in politics in secret societies or elsewhere must have charlie palmer's approval he suggested because of my youth and in the experience that i leave the matter entirely in his hands i readily acquiesced in his suggestion and he in his own way began making preparations for a big supper he made out the bill of fare i need not specify here the delicacies but we had all kinds of food common to a rural coloured community of the day opossum raccoon turkey and all the delectable parts of the hog indeed we had as we thought everything that one could wish both to eat and to drink instead of about seven or eight men however charlie palmer had about fifty men with about half as many women who were not invited to the party but were present to look after the preparation and serving of the food it was a rather warm and beautiful moonlight night they barbecued a pig over coals in the yard and there was a barrel of persimmon beer of which the people drank freely and i think that barrel had some ingredients in it other than persimmon juice anyhow after we had eaten and drunk our fill and our friend palmer had told us many a marvellous story of his experiences political and otherwise and had made a strong speech advising the people to use all the influence they possessed for professor john m langston a coloured man who had bolted the regular republican ticket and was running for congress on an independent ticket in the fourth district judge arnold being the regular republican candidate he called on me to give my ideas of mr langston and why the coloured people though they lived in the tenth congressional district across the river from the fourth district should use all the influence they could muster for his election of course i have no idea now what i said but my words urging the importance of having a negro representative in congress and my criticism of many white republicans who had gotten into office on the negro vote and simply used us created among the crowd a profound sensation they yelled and threw up their hats some took me on their shoulders and carried me around the premises and were withal so demonstrative that i was confused and puzzled and i am not sure even yet whether it was not the effect of the person in beer and other things which were very freely dispensed rather than my speech which caused this embarrassing demonstration then mr palmer called on hembricks for a speech mr hembricks made a good speech but the enthusiasm had expended itself somewhat so that while he got some applause it was very weak by contrast when he concluded mr palmer said that it had been a meeting in which we had stressed the importance of negroes working together under coloured leadership and he thought it was a great mistake in any man who pretended to be a leader among coloured people to take any difficulty arising between them to white officials to settle if it could possibly be avoided he said that the cotton town school had had less disorder that year under its new teachers than at any time since the school was established the children were more enthusiastic about attending school and the homes of these children had already felt the influence of promptness and order which the pupils had been taught during the short time the school had been in session this speech was followed by several others of the group in the same strain the meeting broke up and the people went home nothing was said about the controversy between the teachers i went to bed 
and mr hembricks spent the night with the palmers he and mr palmer talked late into the night at breakfast next morning hembricks apologized for his attitude and assured me there would be no further trouble so far as he was concerned and from that time on i continued to handle the discipline of the school except in cases where i thought mr hembricks himself ought to handle it no more pupils were whipped and we had a very orderly set of children more than two hundred and fifty were enrolled during the year till we had to select after securing the approval of the chairman of the board two of our more advanced pupils to help us in the work in this locality there were four colored churches green creek mount nebo cornerstone and the midway baptist midway was nearest to the school fortunately they held services not oftener than twice a month so that mr hembricks and i could attend each church at least monthly we were always expected to speak and to teach a sunday-school class if not to review the lesson from this i am sure i got a great deal more than the scholars it was in many ways an easy matter in this section for a negro teacher to win the respecting confidence of the people i have never found any group of people more willing to be led than were the people of this community i am not sure now as to the quality or character of my teaching at that time i doubt if it would pass muster under the eye of a modern pedagogue i was somewhat original perhaps in some of my ideas and methods and i introduced many things which in those days were entirely new for instance they had never observed thanksgiving day prior to my coming so that year we had a great celebration the pastor permitted us to use the church and people came from as far as twenty miles to be present some of the men who were interested in horses arranged a tournament and at night we had chorus singing the school sang as a body and i insisted that all the girls should appear in white dresses with blue sashes and every boy have a white sash i suppose i did this because i wanted to be sure that the pupils should look different from the other people present there must have been two thousand persons on the grounds perhaps more and all thoroughly enjoyed the occasion then at christmas we had something of the same sort of celebration with the christmas tree which was the first scene in that community we had perhaps a dozen preachers present at this christmas celebration each one had some part in the service this way of observing the day was in striking contrast to what had been previously in vogue christmas in that part of virginia as in many other parts of the south had been given over very largely to dissipation of one kind or another fireworks and also fire-water were much in evidence and many who did not have fireworks used guns or anything that they could muster with which to make a noise any form of disorder was permissible they used to sing as i remember a song which went like this in the summer roasting ears in the fall punkin christmas comes but once a year and every one do something the something meant something noisy and out of the ordinary i introduced the general singing of plantation melodies among the people and at three o'clock each friday afternoon we had public exercises often the schoolhouse could not accommodate the crowds that attended scores of mothers and many fathers as well as many of the white neighbors who came from long distances to hear the singing and to witness the other exercises by the children the negro farmers as well as the whites were much pleased with my 
talks once a week on general farming poultry raising care of cattle and hogs the rotation of crops and the importance of gardens especially winter gardens at these friday exercises we also talked to the parents and older children on habits and manners and many other simple but as we thought needful things regarding the home backyards outhouses and similar topics we called in too on several occasions leading white men to talk to the pupils on friday evening and each colored preacher had a turn before the year was out i tried to dignify the occasion by calling it the friday afternoon lecture i somehow succeeded during that year in making a very pleasant impression on the school officials the superintendent mr corson and the members of the precinct board they took much pride in visiting the school and the superintendent urged many colored teachers to come and brought with him on one or two occasions some of his white teachers he generally called up a few classes and gave them certain examinations and after the first visit always asked that we sing for him we had rehearsed the pupils in singing and the girls we had taught certain very simple gymnastic exercises and they usually went through these for his benefit we would then have the students sing plantation melodies which they did with a will and which by the way the pupils enjoyed as much as any one as i think of it now i wonder why they ever came or why there was any enthusiasm over these talks and the other things that we did for in many ways i really knew very little about what i was attempting to do while i learned comparatively little about scientific agriculture during my stay at hampton i had absorbed something of the agricultural atmosphere from mr albert howe than whom hampton has never had a more faithful worker mr howe gave us frequent talks on agriculture the importance of gardens poultry raising and other subjects so that i was able it seems in spite of my lack of agricultural training to help a community that knew so much less than i did it was a very busy year but i managed to find time for reading and study i had had up to that time a more or less vague desire to study law i had an idea that perhaps some day i might follow that profession so the superintendent of schools for prince edward county whose office was in farmville nine miles away was kind enough to give me lessons in law and lend me such of his books as i needed he declined to accept any pay but allowed me to work in his office on saturdays copying deeds contracts and similar work which saved time for him and was of course excellent training for me this enabled me to occupy my evenings in a more or less definite systematic way on saturdays when i came to town he frequently catechized me very minutely on various phases of the week's work which he had given me to do the following spring mr irwin the superintendent told me i had sufficient knowledge to pass the bar examination it was the law in virginia then that a candidate for the bar could receive a certificate to practice after examination by two circuit judges i never shall forget the time i appeared before judge frank irving the father of mr irving under whom i had been reading law during the winter i had come to the courtroom late one afternoon there must have been thirty people there many attorneys among them the cases had all been disposed of for the term the judge was swapping stories with some of the attorneys 
he finally turned to me and said by the way moton i understand that you want to take an examination to practice law i told him that i did and he said i might as well examine you now i told him i was not prepared to be examined then that i would prefer to be given another appointment he said no i can refuse you a certificate now as well as any time i've had only one negro in my court and he did not belong there he was permitted to practice by courtesy so i will examine you now come up here i was certainly unprepared but i thought i might as well face the ordeal his son who sat over within the enclosure gave me some encouragement by saying you had better come over and try it anyhow many men have failed and you will have company i remember that the judge asked me to tell him first what a demure was i undertook to tell him he differed with me i argued with him in ten minutes i had forgotten that i was arguing with his honour so we argued the demurrer in all its phases until dark all the attorneys remained and were intensely amused apparently after we had spent perhaps two hours and a half in arguing this the only question that the judge asked me he said i will give you a certificate call up at the office to-morrow morning and turning to the clerk of the court he said write him a certificate claxton and i will sign it to-morrow but i had to pass another examination before a judge who was reported to be much more gruff than this one a few days later i drove fifteen miles to the home of this other circuit judge who lived in another county i reached the house at breakfast time somewhere around seven o'clock just as the bell rang for him to come in to breakfast with the family he saw me drive up asked what my business was whether i had had breakfast and other questions i assured him that i had had a very early breakfast and told him what my errand was he gave me a seat on the front porch and went into breakfast presently the cook came out with a tray on which was a very good breakfast with steaming hot biscuits and other appetizing dishes i did not send it back later the judge came out and apparently in a very indifferent manner talked of many things and asked many questions not at all along the line of the law as i had expected the fact is i was all prepared for this examination i was prepared to give the definition of law something of the history of law the various divisions of the law and to answer the questions likely to be asked i was prepared to make up briefs indictments and everything else that i had been able to find after much study in law books but the judge asked about president cleveland who was then president what i thought of him of congress the terror the republican party mr lincoln the secession movement he asked my opinion of general lee general jackson and general grant he asked questions about hampton institute general armstrong the relation of the races as well as many other subjects a famous case was then pending in an adjoining county he asked me about the merits and demerits of both sides it so happened that i was familiar with the case he had seen me in the courtroom a few weeks before when he was the presiding judge he asked me what i thought of the arguments of the opposing attorneys and i did not hesitate to pick flaws in them and commend what i thought to be their good points i also told him i thought one of the attorneys had been very unwise in one of the questions he had asked his client almost losing his case himself in my judgment the judge expressed no opinion whatsoever finally he excused himself a moment went into the house and came back and handed me a certificate i came away with a sense of disappointment that here 
i had been handed a license to practice law and had never been properly examined i decided therefore to continue my studies but as i think of it now i can understand that the examination while technically deficient from my viewpoint was in every sense adequate from the standpoint of this experienced jurist the apparent success which came to me that year brought many thoughts to my mind with reference to what i should do when i had finished my course at hampton cumberland county and cottontown the name by this time had been changed to adriance seemed to me an ideal place for a small industrial school on the hampton plan within a radius of perhaps ten or fifteen miles there were concentrated something like three or four thousand colored people who could buy land and many of whom had already secured substantial holdings the white people were very kindly disposed toward them and anxious to sell land to colored people also there were four churches in every way it was an ideal community for a little school so i got some of the more thoughtful colored men together and we went over a scheme for such a school i called on some of the leading white people and they also approved the plan offering their support and one gentleman offered to give ten acres of land the county superintendent mr corson assured us that the county would do at least as much as it had been doing and he felt sure that they would provide the salary for the teacher i wrote general armstrong at hampton and miss mary f mackey and some others of my hampton teachers setting forth my plans they strongly advised against it and urged me to return to the institute and to complete my course some of them wrote me frankly that i did not have sufficient education to undertake such a work one lady teacher mrs i n tillinghast who is at present a warden at vassar college wrote me very frankly that my education was exceedingly deficient that i did not know enough about any one thing to succeed that i had the ability to get up before a crowd and to make a certain kind of show but that there was not nearly so much to what i was doing as i thought i shall always remember that letter for her argument though hard to accept was convincing i therefore decided for the present at least to abandon the scheme the public school term was five months but with the cooperation of the parents mr hembricks and i were successful in lengthening it by two months i shall never forget the school doing exhibition the large audience of colored people the wonderful dinner in the churchyard or the committee of colored citizens that waited on me saying that the people had offered to double my salary the next year if i would come back there was also a letter from the county superintendent endorsed by the chairman of the county school board mr norton flippin in which they agreed that i could have the school in cumberland county as long as they were in office the parting there was much like the one previously described on my leaving home for hampton the following summer i went to philadelphia and succeeded in securing work in john wanamaker's store through the kindness of a friend who gave me a letter of introduction to mrs robert c ogden this too was a very interesting experience i worked in what was called the housekeeping department for the first two months with a gang of about fifty men there were but two colored men of whom i was one the others were mostly irishmen and italians but there were also two dutchmen and two or three american white men we had all of the noon hour and others off hours when we had a chance to discuss many very interesting questions from different points of view and never knew before that white men had so much fault to find with other white men 
these men complained of the trusts were down on both the democratic party and the republican party as well as on mr wanamaker who was then the postmaster-general under president harrison it was hard for me to understand how these men could be working for a firm that gave what seemed to me so much consideration to its employees and yet to be so bitter against every person in authority mr wanamaker had just called together all of his employees who had been in the service more than ten years and presented each of them with a purse and several of the men in our group were among this number yet these very men were more bitter in their criticism afterward than before we saw mr wanamaker occasionally on saturday and sometimes on monday mornings mr robert c ogden the manager we saw daily it was rather interesting to me to observe that the irish and the native americans of the group were generally the most outspoken in their denunciation of the rich and of all office holders the italians said very little and the dutchmen said nothing unless their opinion was asked later in the summer i was transferred to the bureau of information where i remained until the middle of september when i left philadelphia for hampton End of chapter five